1: Still 4-0. Winnipeg leading Minnesota late in the second period. Jets trying to finish off that series. The Flyers putting up a fight against the Penguins. It's 2-2 early in the third. The Penguins advance with a victory. A little bit later on, the Avalanche will play the Predators. Game 5 of the AJHL final, Spruce Grove at Okotoks just getting underway. Saints win that series and the championship with a victory. Lethbridge and Swift Current, Game 1 of the Eastern Conference final in the dub, just getting underway. Blue Jays up 7-5 on the Yankees, bottom of the 5th. Raptors trailing the Wizards 58-45, three and a half minutes left in the second quarter. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 630 Chet. I was concerned a few minutes ago, Blake Dermot rolled in, and I said, Blake, there's pizza. And his initial <laughs> reply was, oh, no, that's okay. And now he's eaten quite a few pieces of pizza. Uh, I'm, I was I'm, like, I'm, how could you I'm not? You're an old alignment.
2: It, 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 and it is uh, um, uh, Royal Pizza, which is... Uh, yeah, my favorite pizza. So, so I, I had to take a piece, and I'm staring at the second one.
1: Yeah, well, you can get. Thank the, God you the got them cut small. <laughs> but you know what? We've we've made no secret of the fact that you know it's it's a Friday night. The weather's great. Uh, I'm on holidays next week, so I've said my focus level, my, <laughs> my level of preparation might be a little lower. We got a special guest, Theodore Ring, who's uh, the auction winner from the uh, Edmonton Sun Atco Charity Auction. So he actually bid, if you can believe that, Blake, to sit in on an episode of Inside Sports.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, let's let's hopefully we can get give him his money's worth today. I, I think
1: I think somebody else might be <laughs> trying to get in. We'll, we'll have <laughs> some fun with that. We, we may have another former Eskimo joining us. <laughs> Uh, so Blake, but it, it, well, this is this is incredible. So you're listening to, to Jack and I on the way in, mm-hmm. uh, talk briefly about professional wrestling. You wrestled competitively against the guy who went on to be in, in WWF as it was known at the time.
2: Yeah, I wrestled actually a couple guys. Uh, there was back then there was the WCW and the w, WWF, and and uh, 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 in college I wrestled against a guy named John Tenta. And for wrestling fans, John Tenta end up. He had a number of different characters, but the one that he was probably most from, uh, well known as is, is the Earthquake. Right. He was uh, a huge. He guy. was. He was. He was a lot of man. Like there was. <laughs> 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 I wrestled him at the Canadian Championships, and, and when I say wrestled, that's probably an insult. And to So wrestling. you were going to U of A. Uh, I was at the U of A at the and time. And he
1: was was a UBC or? Oh, no, you... he
2: was a, he was a, um, on scholarship at the uh, LSU uh, Louisiana State. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. And uh, but. Uh, I I remember at the weigh-ins and and we got on the scale and we we're in the un, unlimited category and i was about 265 and and uh i got on the scale and weighed in and a couple other guys got on the scale and then and then all of a sudden the room went dark and this this guy comes in and he got on the scale because they just set it at 220 you just had to be over 220 and and it just the scale just Banged up against the top, and uh, they said he was. Guys are going, boy, you look great. You've lost some weight. What are you weighing? He says about three like, seventy-five. Oh my God! He <laughs> oh, was about six foot seven, three seventy-five, and uh, he was. Uh, it, it was. It wasn't much of a match. It was. Uh, he pretty much squashed me like a bug.
1: No, because you can actually. Uh, I mean, a lot of times that style of wrestling it comes down to points, but you can pin a guy and win automatically. Right?
2: Absolutely, yeah. Which did, is, he, did he which is just what sit he on you <laughs> like that's what he used to? <laughs> he pretty much did. Like he <laughs> he just he w- was in a position where I was on my knees uh, because I was running from him, so I'd got so many cautions and and then uh, he he had me in the, the uh, that start position where he was on top, and then he just he literally threw all of his weight onto my back, and I just I thought things were going to break, so I kind of just <laughs> oh, okay, geez. I'm out of this one. <laughs>
1: Oh, uh, former Eskimo Blake Dermott joining us in studio on Inside Sports he's our uh, in-game analyst for our Eskimos broadcast Blake when you were a player uh, like if a, if a guy showed up late for a team meeting or something <laughs> would he get fined or
2: oh yeah <laughs> just... it was a big chicken fine Yeah. <laughs> You got fined, and it went on the chicken list. And, and then if you had, once you had enough fines, then they fed the team uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken.
1: Because we got Mookie Mitchell uh, in studio at 710 for his 705 appearance. So ah, we're just giving you our time, Mookie. How's it going, buddy?
3: I'm good. I'm good. Everything's great, buddy.
1: Uh, we're, we're, we'll get you to meet Theodore. Well, you can say hi to him across the table. So Theodore is our uh, auction winner to sit in on Inside Sports. So thanks for coming in to meet him. Yeah. As Kirby's getting you headphones, maybe Mookie wants some pizza. Just be, we're, we can eat pizza on air tonight. Uh, <laughs> how's life, buddy? What you been up to?
3: Oh, it's the same. Well, you know, just working. With uh, the kids, and uh, I took um, one of them actually with me last week. We had a function at Commonwealth Stadium in the locker room, the kids up front and the Gridiron Gang. And so I went in, just did like a, a quick speaking engagement, and I let one of the kids that I work with uh, speak as well. You know, and it was a it was a good event. You know, and it was it was it was fun, and it was you know memorable for him. You know, because most people don't get that opportunity to come into the locker room and go on that tour of the stadium. So, on that you know that inside, in depth, personal level. So, I mean, I took plenty of pictures for him, and you know, he he had a blast. Right on. It,
1: it's, that's amazing what you've been doing though in the community and with and a lot of these kids. They you know they. Right, like they need a little bit of direction, right? They need some mentorship, and you're always willing to step in there.
3: Yeah, and I mean, and I love doing it. I love doing it. Like I've always said on on your show, is that these kids keep me young. You know, they keep me with uh, what's going on, whether it's music, whether it's sports. You know, and they, you know, they got me skating, now, they got me playing hockey. So I mean, I'm loving it. I'm loving it.
1: Mookie Mitchell, Blake Dermott in studio. Okay, Blake, you retired from Eskimos. What was your last year? 1996. And that was your rookie year with the Argos, wasn't it? The
3: the next year 97. Oh, 97, sorry. So
1: you were on the team that won that comp. So you guys never, even though you're both offensive players anyway, you were never in the league at the same time. No. No. So Blake passed the mantle of greatest player in the league
3: (laughs) onto you, Mookie. (laughs) That's awesome.
1: (laughs) All right, I'm going to ask this. Since we have you guys in here, each from your perspective, what is the relationship like between the receivers and the offensive
3: linemen on a football team? Oh, it's, it's awesome. I, I've always loved my o lineman. Now, I've, I've got so many funny jokes <laughs> with my offensive linemen, right? You know, because I just don't understand how these guys, you know, you give them their space because these guys are our protector, you know. And they're, to me, they're like the dad of the offense, right? Because um, I just always remember just there will be times when, you know, you get the offensive coordinators want to design these plays to bring a receiver in. I don't like to be in that box. That's not that's not my area. So whenever <laughs> I would come in and would tap my tackle and let him know like I'm here, and they were like, hey, hey, little mo, get out the way, because it's grown men working in there. So and I don't blame. <laughs> hey, that just that little moment in time when you just. See how physical it is? You know, there's a lot of things as as a football player. Like, football is physical, and we take a lot of things for granted. A lot of people would tell me, like, I don't understand how you can just go across the middle and expose your body. I don't – I'm not trying to stop a guy, like, every down, like 50, 60-plus plays or more. A guy that's your equal size, and it's just a battle. It's just a like, hey, man, I've always loved my offensive linemen and whatever they needed. Hey, I've always, all my success comes from them because those guys make the play develop. They make it happen. They protect that quarterback. So nothing to me, all the success I've had, I've always passed that on, not just always to my quarterback, but to that offensive line. Because if one of those guys missed a blitz, if they miss a stunt, that play, that play is a dead play. Well, thanks. <laughs> For all the offensive linemen. That's so true. I was going to
2: say something more like, uh, as offensive linemen, uh, you could talk to any one of them uh, at any given time, and they all think they could be a receiver, too. <laughs> you, know, you know, there isn't a position on the field that we couldn't have played if we were given an opportunity. But, right. But, uh, no, I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting position, and, and uh, with respect to uh, uh, comparison to other, uh, other positions on the team, um, you know the the, the offensive lineman, and you can. I, I read this once, and I thought it was pretty true, that you could plug an offensive lineman off of any team in any league, and put him into a room with other offensive linemen, and within five minutes they're going to be like they've known each other forever, uh, because um, most of them have got similar backgrounds. You know, most of them were. I, I always say this were. You know probably fat kids when they were growing up you know <laughs> couldn't play other sports <laughs> because they this was the one that they they found a bu- whole bunch of other like-minded like-bodied uh, people then they 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 fit in right away and uh you know they um uh, most of the most of the offensive linemen I know will probably end up marrying the first girl that kissed them you know so
3: <laughs> so,
2: so you know we they, we really have a, a a very uh a very similar background and uh uh, you know, the, the, and everybody understood what your position was and what your responsibilities were, and, and there wasn't too many guys that really rebelled against that. I don't think I ever uh, met anybody in, in in the locker room as a, as a lineman that that felt that they could have uh, they could have honestly done something else, and they are happy doing what they did and had a lot of respect for every every position that was on the team.
1: You know, you just gave me an idea for uh, dating advice with Blake Dermott, Maybe an off season <laughs> segment we could do. Okay, let me let me ask you this. What were Blake? Uh, Blake, I'll start with you. What were your expectations for the receivers to block if a running play got into that part of the field?
2: I, I don't know if I ever had an expectation for a receiver to block. I mean, I, and and when guys threw blocks, in it, it, it was we we're excited about that. When a receiver threw a big block or something, boy, that fired people up. Right, it really does uh, because because i mean i know that that's part of their job description but it's probably so far down in their job but it really, in reality you know it's down in their job description list uh, lists so far down that that when when that happens it's 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 impressive and 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 the guys that do throw good a uh, lot of blocks uh, get a lot of respect from not just players within their own team but around the league it's 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 a real important part of it but uh, um, I don't know. I uh, uh, They had a responsibility. They had a job to do one thing, and we had a job to do the other, and we hopefully were given enough time to be able to do and work their magic.
1: Yeah. And hey, Mookie, would you have considered yourself as a – were you a good blocker for a receiver
3: when you played? When I, when I first started football, I wasn't. No. But then it was uh, when you – once I got to the college level and it became mandatory because you realized uh, – And Blake kind of touched on this, you know, and that's the difference, like what he was saying, the difference from you walk into a – you take an offensive lineman that doesn't know any other guys on the team. He's new to that team. They're going to eventually, as an offensive lineman, D-lineman, they welcome that guy in. But when you're dealing with, like, quarterbacks, receivers, you know, the pretty boys, everybody got an ego. We we got an ego. (laughs) Right. And then if you bring in – but some guys, they do, They, you know, some guys – and this is what divides locker rooms a lot of times, you know, because you get a – you get a team that may have um, a receiver that's already a marquee guy, but he's, you bring in another marquee guy because, you know, the organization wants to win. So a lot of times as the the specialist, you know, it can be a lot of tension within it, you know, because everybody wants to be the man, you know. And in the CFL, you're sharing with I mean, there could be six
1: receivers on the field at the yeah. same time. And, and that's what i always right? spoke
3: to you when, when I came in here earlier. Uh, last year, I've spoke about that. That's the reason why I've always felt the magic worked when I was here in 04. Because of, of our group of receivers, no one was selfish. You know, if it was your day to shine, it was your day to shine. And that's the thing. That's why our magic worked. When it was me, Ed Hervey, Tucker, Terry Vaughn, it just worked. It worked. And whenever you, as a receiver, back to your question, whenever, as a receiver, if you get that receiver that loves to block downfield, you realize that that 10-yard run end up being a 50, 60, 70-yard run when you got uh, receivers that are, that's committed to doing it
1: we got Mookie Mitchell and Blake Dermott in studio. Our special guest is Theodore Ng. He's going to get to ask each of you a question when we get back. All right? Sure. Inside Sports on Chad.
3: This is JC Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right. Thanks
1: a lot for tuning in tonight. Appreciate the compliments for our Royal Pizza coming in on the text line. We've uh, been indulging tonight as part of our uh, Friday night festivities. It is still four nothing Jets over the Wild after 2-2 two. Flyers and Penguins with nine and a half minutes left in the third period. I'm Reed Wilkins. <coughs> Former Eskimos Mookie Mitchell and Blake Dermott are in studio, and our special guest tonight. He uh, bid on an episode of Inside Sports on the Edmonton Sun Atco Charity Auction. In from uh, originally from Sherwood Park. Yes. Now living in Grand Prairie, Theodore Ng, U of A grad. You must like Golden Bears hockey too. We didn't even I talk love, about I that. I love I love the Golden Bears. I don't know how we missed talking about that. That was that was <laughs> nice. This uh, Blake obviously enjoyed that, and yeah. the football team finally made the playoffs.
2: Too. Yeah, they they it was a, a good uh, good year of athletics
1: at the U of A. All right, Theodore. So you get to ask each of these guys question of your choice. So I guess
4: I'll start with Blake here, and um, I know nowadays it's getting. They're devising plays for offensive linemen to catch the football so I'm wondering if you ever had a chance to catch the football yourself
2: <laughs> uh well in high school I, I played a little running back so I <laughs> got a couple touchdowns but uh there are a couple a couple things uh, funny stories my rookie year uh Warren Moon was our quarterback and I played tight end I used to have to wear the bib number six as a tight end to come in to block and we were on about the three yard line and uh I remember the play broke down. Uh, it was supposed to be run to the left side. I was playing left tight end, and, and something happened. I, th- I think Warren either, uh, there was a, uh, a missed handoff or something, and he's now running around in the backfield. And there was nobody around me on the two-yard line, and I stood and waved. Like, <laughs> and, he, and Warren looked me, looked straight at me, and just went and took it <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't throw me the ball. And I'm like, I, I had pretty good heads. Because, right. uh, of course, I was an offensive yeah, lineman who yeah. thought I could play receiver. But then there was another time, um, this is one of my favorite stories, I had an opportunity in a game in 1987, I was, uh, I was uh, in the back of position, and we were playing Saskatchewan, and uh, we had had this play in, called the Leo Left, Leo Blanchard. It was a fumble ruski play. And uh, we were beating Saskatchewan by, I don't know, a lot. And I'm on the sidelines, and coaches coach was saying, well, let's run the fumble ruski. We're on about the 25-yard line. And so Joe Faragelli said, Blake, go in there and tell him to run the fumble ruski. And I said, who do I take out? And he says, I don't care. So as I got into the huddle, I said, Leo, you're out. And... uh, (laughs) <laughs> the ball was snapped. Rod Connop was the center. Matt Dunnigan was our quarterback. The ball hit Rod in the in the butt, and then it, it, when it hit the ground, it bounced back towards the backfield. So as I pulled from the right guard position to scoop the ball up, I actually had to turn to, with my back to the line of scrimmage. And by the time I got control of the ball, and I, I took one step, and there was, I think, Bobby Jurison or somebody was right in my face. And I, I so my one carry was for a two-yard loss. <laughs>
4: <laughs> All right, awesome. And uh, uh for Mookie Mitchell, what is what is your one most memorable catch that you've made during your career? Ooh. That's um, a good
3: one. I would say the O five Grey Cup, the third down, the third down because the um the reason I would say it was that catch is because as a, a team that year in O five, we had to um we fought our way into the playoffs, and I, I just remember I was coming off, like, the hamstring injury, and um, after we lost the game in Calgary, and you know, we knew we had to go right back to Calgary like that next week. It was just so fun to just see how all the guys just rallied. You know, guys on defense was giving us offensive plays. Never played a down the offense. You know, and guys on offense, we was, you know, helping out guys on defense, just giving them, like, the different techniques on how a receiver is going to ta- um, attack you now because now we're going into the playoffs. So what he showed you all year is not going to happen, right? And so the reason why I would say um, that 5 catch, because I and so many people are shocked when I talk about that third down catch. The thing that is just so amazing, when I um, look back at it, I didn't, I didn't pay attention to what down it was. I was just so focused. Honestly, I thought Ricky, because it was only third and four, so I thought Ricky for sure was just going to go to the for sure throw, which would have been Ed Hervey or Jason Tucker just running a five-yard hitch. And when there's been times when I run into Ricky, and me and him both would have laughs about it. And the thing that was just so amazing about it, he saw what I saw. He saw that the, the uh, DB that was covering me was way out of position. He was so heavy inside, and I know I was going on a deep corner. So when I um, attacked him and went corner, I was just so shocked to see that the ball was in the air. And then just the, the reason why I would say that catch just it would always be a special part of me is because guys that was in the CFL, Canadians or Americans that never won a great cup at that point, they when I see them today, they still praise me about that catch, and I was just doing my job. And I just knew how, uh, just how important it was. And at the time, I was just, you know, just a, a guy out there that was brought here to Edmonton to do my job, and I was just trying to win a Grey Cup. But um, you, I still hear it today when I run into like diehard fans, just saying like how that catch was like the catch of the game. But to me, it's just hey, we won the Grey Cup. Like, hey, it's it's all good. It's it's part of history.
1: More with Mookie and Blake when we get back.
0: is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader. 630
1: Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. Jets are rolling 5-0 over the Wild early in the third. Three minutes left in the third in Pittsburgh. Penguins and Flyers 2-2. Avs and Predators just getting underway. Late in the first period in Okotoks, Saints and Oilers scoreless. Spruce Grove up 3-1 in the championship series. Western Hockey League Five minutes left in the first period. No score. Lethbridge and Swift Current. Swift Current heavily favored. Shots are 15-5 for Lethbridge. Hmm. 14 and a half minutes into the game. Blue Jays leading the Yankees 8-5 in the seventh. Wizards leading the Raptors 71-66 early in the third. Toronto's up 2-0 in that best of seven. Uh, My name is Reed Wilkins. Mookie Mitchell and Blake Dermott are in studio. Two former Edmonton Eskimos. This texter says... Mookie, I apologize. I think it's more geared towards Blake. <laughs> but you could chime in with your observations. All football players have to be in excellent physical condition. But how do the guys on the offense and defensive lines keep up their weight to keep competitive? <laughs> well, have you heard of a buffet listener? <laughs> uh,
2: yeah. Yeah. I don't think there was that was much of a problem for any guys I played with. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was. Keeping the weight up was... Yeah. Well, although, you know, one of the things I, I remember, uh, Rod Conop uh, was my roommate, and Rod, when he first came into the league, was probably about... I mean, I was 255 when I first came into the league. It was a lot smaller than, and then... Uh, but Rod was about 240, and he had to eat about seven meals a day to get... And, and he probably finished playing at around 275 is when he, by, by the end of his career, but... I would walk by food and gain weight. I I have this no control button on me, so so Rod would always be eating. We'd pull into our, our room, and we were roommates for 13 years. And as soon as he got in the room, he was on the room service. You want something? Yeah, okay. Three hours later, he'd order something else. You want something? Yeah, okay. And then we'd go out for dinner, and he'd order two entrees. You know? <laughs> so during the course of the season, I would put on about 15 pounds, and Rod would be struggling just to keep his weight where it was. So,
1: Mookie, what did you play at weight-wise? 185. 185? 185. And were you, uh, like in the off-season, were you like a lifter? Would you run? What would you do? Just run. Just run. just run. Just get faster and
3: faster. Just run. That was it. No weight room, none of that. And all the guys um that have played with me, they know I got what it's called my forty forty. I would just do forty push up, forty sit ups every day. And I would use the running from practice as my conditioning. Okay. As a receiver because all we're doing is running. So every day before we go out of the locker room, after we come out of meetings, right in front of my locker, I would just do 40 push-ups, 40 sit-ups. And then some of the guys started catching on Ricky, Jay Moss, everybody just started doing it. And that was just my uh, workout. And I just did that, like, the three years I was here. Never went upstairs. I don't even know where the weight room is in Commonwealth (laughs) Stadium. (laughs) (laughs) You wouldn't have admitted, admitted that when you were a player, though. Yeah. I still will. I don't. I'm not. I'm not going in the weight room. I don't want that. I don't want none of that weight room. Smokey
2: might. Uh, uh, he might have witnessed this, but in the after practice, there was an awful lot of linemen in the steam room. Oh, yeah. Doing steamer striders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get up and walk <laughs> across the room about ten times. Okay, that was close that was, to a hundred yards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: Just do it getting our ten thousand steps in in the in the steam room.
1: Well, there's. I mean, there's no spot. I mean, I guess we could. Knit, but I mean, there's no sport with as many body types and different skill sets as, as football, right? Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and you guys even mentioned it, a lot of times you're just meeting in your own little group of eight, ten guys, right? And then you get to do a little bit as the bigger group.
2: Uh, you know, I, the, one of the stories is uh, we used to watch our films with the, with the offensive linemen, and I remember one time I, I would have been in maybe my third year, Hector Pache, who's on the board. Hector put on four pounds in a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> you know those those sandwiches from the Italian uh, from Spinelli's. Yeah. He had a big sandwich. Plus, he had a two liter uh, thing of Diet Coke. Uh-huh. And uh, and we films go for an hour and a half. He weighed himself before the meeting. They ate the sandwiches, drank the coke, and and was high fiving everybody because he put out four pounds in the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs>
1: Uh, Mookie, I, w- last time I had Blake on was uh, right after the Super Bowl. It's been a little, a uh, little longer for you and me. Mm-hmm. Actually, you were going to come up before the Super Bowl, and you were, uh, but then you wound up going to a minor hockey tournament. Yeah. So uh, again, you were helping out a, a young man to get to yeah. his hockey game. So that was that was perfectly excusable. Obviously, that, that you mm-hmm. couldn't do it. Uh, what did you think of that fourth and one call by the Eagles right at the end of the first half? With the, uh, what did they do, Blake? Snap to the yeah, running back and throw to the flipped quarterback. it to the receiver, and then the receiver
3: threw to the quarterback
1: for the okay. for the, the one that Fowl scored on? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I no, was yeah. The, what do they call it? The Philly special. Because, yeah. Yeah.
3: The, the reason why I was shocked, and you know, growing up a Dolphin fan, of course, you know I don't like the Patriots, right? But the thing <laughs> that I just admire about the Patriots is that they're a very disciplined team and for them I was just shocked that they failed for that because the way cause to me just watching it as a football player Foles gave it away. He was he was at the tackle. He was at his right offensive tackle. So for the defense to just like fall asleep on that, I was really shocked to see that they got away with it. I I love the the outcome of the game. Blake
2: did not. I was even more shocked that Brady was open on that play oh, running. Right. You know, a seven flat forty. You know, I. Yeah. But the, so you talk about falling asleep. Both teams yeah. fell asleep on, on mm-hmm. very similar plays. But uh. so
1: okay. But both you guys tonight, and, and Mookie described it really well on the third and four in the gray cup about the the pre snap read or the recognition. Like, is it? Is it really hard in pro football to run a deceptive play because there's so much film and so much prep, and you got the you know the technically the smartest, most prepared guys in at, at that level? I, like I, I know sometimes they work, but yeah. is it is that why they don't call a lot?
2: Well, I, I think that's a big reason. Uh, I mean, it's it's a it's a, it's a uh, the one thing about a, a play like that, a trick play, is it can it can do two things. It can it can really lift the spirits of the team if it works. It's it's it, what it's what, you, what you, you're yeah. It's golden on the sidelines. Everybody's excited. But if it fails, it's it's like you know twice as bad the opposite way. Mm-hmm. So so uh, you know, first of all, I think. You, every team, every coach has uh, special plays that they practice weekly. Uh, maybe not weekly, but I remember watching when Chris Jones was here. The receivers ran the the hook and ladder and the pitch out and the the, the rugby play at the end of every practice because because you never know when you're going to use that thing. So so you have to practice those things. Um, but you know when the conditions are right, it's there. You know like a fake fake punt. Uh, you know we practice fakes every week for special teams. But a lot of times the conditions aren't right for you to call it, and uh, like the fumble, the uh, Leo left play. Yeah, so that it was, it was the conditions were perfect for it, except the athlete wasn't. (laughs)
1: Except the athlete didn't uh, didn't execute. Uh, I'm really glad you guys came in. It's always great to catch up with you. Uh, Who's winning the Stanley Cup? You guys been
2: watching? Oh, I've been yeah, I've been watching a lot. Uh, Pittsburgh looks pretty good. Pittsburgh looks good. And uh, and you know what? I kind of like I kind of like Winnipeg. I, as much as it hurts me to say that because, uh, you know, having played a lot of games in Winnipeg over the years and, and I've always felt that the fans in Winnipeg would buy tickets to a car accident, um, I, I think that uh, um, I think Winnipeg's team is as good as it's ever been and as good as they, they're going to be for a while.
3: It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter to you. I just, I'll just watch all the games that I can.
1: Flyers beat the Penguins 4-2. Stayed alive. How about that? Mm. Uh-oh. They got... Uh, Couturier, back in the lineup, scored with a minute 15 left. Uh, Matt Reed added one more. So there you go. Flyers are sticking around. Guys, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks Thank for
2: meeting you. Theodore. Yeah. Pleasure to meet you, Theodore. Yeah.
1: Inside Sports on Chad. We're coming right back.
0: This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader. 630 Chad.
1: Well, I hope your night is going as well as mine. This has been a fun show at 746 Inside Sports on 630 Ched. We have had Jack Michaels in studio. We uh, just had Blake Dermott and Mookie Mitchell in studio, a couple of former Eskimos. Uh, We'll have uh, one more chat with Theodore Ng before the end of the show. He's our uh, auction winner from the Atco Edmonton Sun charity auction. He, uh, He decided he liked Inside Sports so much that he'd pay a little bit of money to come sit in which to me still sounds a little weird, Theodore, to be honest, but I do appreciate it. Uh, the, I mentioned it's 5 nothing Jets, and uh, yes, the Flyers did beat the Penguins 4-2 to prolong that series. Avalanche and Predators just underway. Okay, uh, this is pretty cool here. An announcement today, coming up in the fall, on September 22nd and 23rd, the Alberta Basketball Association is uh, bringing a world-class FIBA 3-on-3 competition Uh, to Edmonton. It's going to be a challenger event, 16 teams around the world, prize money on the line, FIBA ranking points, uh, all leading up to the uh, World Tour final in Beijing in October. And as you probably know, three-on-three basketball... It's been around a long time, but it's really starting to take off. It's now it's now an Olympic sport as well. And Paul surf from Basketball Alberta spoke to our Dave Campbell this morning.
0: Everybody who played basketball played three-on-three. Three. Every coach who coaches basketball makes that part of how they teach the game to be played. It's, it's, but to have the wisdom to, and the vision to put it into its own sport and take the lead from sports like beach volleyball, you know, it, was really, it was really wise on Fida's part. This event... You know, 16 teams, many from around the world, Mm -hmm. who are going to be competing for points in the FIBA scoring system, ultimately for the teams that are going to be determined that are going to be in the 2020 Olympics. It all ties in, and it really also is, I think, uh, demonstrative of the global global growth of the game mm-hmm. and how it's gonna become professionalized faster and faster. So we always wanted to be on the cutting edge of this. That's why we literally jumped in with our 3x3 tournament. We've sent teams the 3x3 World Championships started seven years ago. We've sent teams every year right. from our tournament there. So we've been huge supporters, by far the most active in Canada, mm-hmm. in seeing the vision for this. And that's why I really wanted to ensure, in working with the city of Edmonton, Edmonton Events, a province, that we get an event like this here now, because we want to be in front of it, because when the global wave hits, everybody's going to want it. Well,
5: a matter of fact, this is an Olympic event, coming up in it 2020, is. right?
0: That's right, it's an Olympic event. We're talking about the biggest stage in the world for, for people to, to to compete, to participate in, and we want Edmonton who, to be, at, like I said, at the forefront. You know, I
5: know the International Olympic Committee gets, uh, gets a lot of criticism, and some of it is fair, you gotta give them credit for for one thing and, and that's being innovative, that's being more open minded. And and you look at the Winter Olympics, the Summer Olympics, you know, you got, you know, for example, mixed doubles curling, you got you got a lot of the X Games events now in the Olympics, because it's about ratings and money for them, but if they can draw in more viewers and bring in a great event like 3X3, why not? You gotta give the IOC a bit of credit
0: here too. Gotta give them a lot of credit. I totally agree with that that, that line of thinking too, Dave, because when you look at at the Olympics this past year. I was ch- chuckling to my wife when you see snowboarders on a hill with their hats on backwards and their pants down <laughs> below their butts. You go, this is the Olympics, not the way you used to envision it, but that's what's so wise is it's accessible to everybody. Mm-hmm. Kids can relate to it. You can't. Uh, it's really hard to relate to highly specialized sport that only a few people participate in. Yeah. They've made it much more accessible. 3x3 is exactly that as it relates to basketball. Everybody plays it and Everybody can enjoy it. You mentioned 16 teams, so are these
5: going to be internationally represented teams? Like uh, are we talking countries, or what, what does it look like?
0: It'll be teams like uh, Team Canada. There'll be, there will be, there may be team, multiple teams from a single country. Okay. It could happen. But like we have preliminary commitments from uh, the, the national team from France, national team from the US, national team from uh, Switzerland, which is a very, very good team. We're really hoping we get a couple of the Serbian and Eastern European teams that are just dominant have been dominant in uh, 3x3 so and, and then we'll have some local teams as well mm-hmm. so it, it, Canadian and some local. so it's going to be it's a wonderful blend you've hit all the marks seems like so I think we've checked all the boxes now we'll be working real hard to execute one final uh, question for you
5: trying to get this to the grassroots level in, I know I know we got a tournament coming up uh, in the summer uh, basketball Alberta that, that's running, but getting this into junior highs and high schools and maybe even into the elementary, uh, you know, realm as well. Uh, what's the what's the I guess the process and what has to be done to try and get that to uh,
0: get that a reality in in schools? My my wife at the school she teaches at that I mentioned. Uh, at Avonmore, you see lots of girls in burkas playing 3x3 mm-hmm. because, and they're not basketball players, but they have so much fun playing the game. We have had discussions with Metro Athletics, with the ASAA. And they are very keenly interested, and we're working right now on the pi- a pilot program in Metro, excuse me, uh, in Metro to bring 3x3 as a, I would call almost a demonstration sport next year. So that's what we're going to be working very hard towards.
1: Paul Sur from Basketball Alberta talking to our Dave Campbell, and it, these these are fun events to watch. I, I would almost compare it to. A lot of people fell in love with the rugby sevens at the last Olympics. Fast-paced, shorter games, three-on-three basketball. Not that there's anything wrong with uh, the NBA and the five-on-five, but this is m- maybe for the current generation whose attention spans aren't as uh, well-developed as some of us more seasoned individuals, shall I say. Uh, my name is Reed Wilkins. It's 7.53. We're winding down the week. Speaking of Dave Campbell, he'll host next week. Uh, I'm going to take some time off. Theodore Ng is in studio. Uh, Theodore, no relation to Peter Ng, we should clarify that. No relation. You know who that is, though, right? No. Former goaltender, probably from before you were born for the Leafs and the Oilers. He okay. was briefly an oiler. It was I-N-G. Yours is N-G, yes, right? Yes, that's pronounced. correct. Uh, so again, if, you, if you've if missed it, uh, Theodore uh, is the uh, auction winner from the Edmonton Sun-ATCO charity auction to come in and sit in on a digit of inside sports from Sherwood Park, currently working in Grand Prairie. So, uh, what were your teams again? You got Oilers and Eskimos, obviously. Yes, the Raptors. Okay. Uh, the Blue
4: Jays. Okay. And then in the NFL is the Patriots. And then, obviously, universities, the Golden Bears. The Golden Bears.
1: Obviously. Obviously. And Pandas, depending yes. on who's yes. playing at the time. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. So, did you, were you able to
4: watch the national final or the national semifinal? No, actually, I... Missed. I missed. Every, I missed
1: all the university sports this year. I oh, was geez. really
4: busy up up in Grand
1: Prairie, so I <laughs> missed everything. <laughs> well, we had Oilers games both afternoons the weekend. They played Sask in the semi, and then uh, and then St. FX in the final. So my attention was a little divided. Yeah, but uh, yeah. that was okay. So, uh, well, I, again, thanks a lot for coming. What was it like uh, meeting
4: Jack and Blake and Mookie? You know what? It was. It was definitely unreal. Um, I. Really, really like Jack's calls on 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 six thirty, Chad and Blake's analysis and getting to meet Mookie was absolutely amazing. I was telling Mookie that I believe the first game that I went in, uh, I went to an Eskimos game. He was actually playing in that game. Oh, nice! They, I, the the memory that stood out for me was uh, they were wearing. I think Jason Tucker had just gotten injured the game before, and he was. They were all wearing the Jason Tucker eighty three shirts underneath their jerseys, and every time they made a catch, they would lift it up. And that was something that I remembered from that first game.
1: Yeah, I remember that. Uh, Mookie was, I mean, as he was an awesome player. Yes. Uh, and just, he, he burst onto this. I think he set the receptions record as a rookie when he came in with the Argos and he was playing with Flutie. You now, you would have been pretty young then. Yeah, I, when I, Flutie was playing in the I, CFL, I, I, don't, you probably barely I don't really remember that. Remember that. Uh,
4: I do remember a little bit of Mookie's, Mookie's play, and I re, uh, obviously remember because uh, Ricky Ray and uh, Jason Tucker and those guys were also playing it at, uh, at that point in time as well. Yeah.
1: Oh Ricky's still doing pretty good.
4: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, he's got he's got a really they've got a good coach in Trustman there in in Toronto. As
1: well. Yeah, that worries me a bit. Maybe it's good that they kept the divisions for now. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't have to play them until the Grey Cup. Well, hey, thanks a lot for coming in. Uh, you know, hi to your family if they're tuning in. I know you're going to spend the weekend in Sherwood Park. So, uh, again, thanks for being a listener, and thanks for uh, for bidding in the charity auction. This is really cool to meet you. Well, thank you very much for having me, Reed. That is Theodore Ng checking in tonight. All right, uh, some final notes i got to get to here. I don't even know if I mentioned this. The Lady Bing finalists in the NHL Barkoff Carlson from uh, Vegas and O'Reilly. Bill Peters has resigned as head coach of the Carolina Hurricanes. There are already rumors that he will be named Flames head coach on Monday. We'll see how that goes. Well, here's a little tidbit top five jersey sales in the National Hockey League, top five in order. Matthews, Crosby, McDavid, Marc-Andre Fleury, and Lundqvist. Ovechkin was sixth. How about this, for a random fact of the night, Matt Zuccarello has the seventh best-selling jersey in the National Hockey League. I don't know what to tell you. Avalanche and Predators scoreless five minutes in. Jets hammering the Wild 5-0 with five minutes left. They're going to win that series. The Flyers stay alive, beating the Penguins 4-2. Jays up 8-5 on the Yankees in the eighth. Raptors down 14 to the Wizards late in the third. AJHL final game five. It is scoreless early in the third between Spruce Grove and Okotoke. Spruce Grove is up 3-1 in the series. Lethbridge and Swift Current are scoreless after one, game one of their WHL conference final. Thanks to all our guests who came in. Thanks to our studio producer, Kellen Kennedy. Dave Campbell is the producer. My name is Reed Wilkins. Have a great weekend. Today's Friday.
0: 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.